You're listening to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. Youth ministry isn't easy, and you don't have much time. That's why this is a car ride's worth of content to help you reimagine, revive, and rebuild youth ministry. Welcome to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. I'm Allie, your host, joined by Daniel. How are you today, Daniel? Great, Allie. How are you? Great. Enthusiastic. I like it. So I'm going to ask you, as always, what are you loving? I'm loving a tool that we use for youth ministry. We always try to share useful Mm -hmm. things around here. So this is one that there may be some legal stuff around it. So just use it (laughs) carefully, but I'm going to tell you what it is anyway. Um, We use something called 4K Video Downloader, Mm. and we use it to take videos from YouTube so that we can put them in ProPresenter or whatever your software Mm -hmm. is that you use for running things um, presentation-wise. So it's nice to be able to have the video in the can so that you don't have to rely on your internet um, or different things sometimes to be able to play it. So that's what we use to rip videos, and it is a very handy tool. (laughs) It's called 4K Video Downloader. Yes, it is handy, but you might have to look up. Don't go breaking any laws. Yeah, use it. Might have just outed ourselves there. (laughs) One of our coworkers, her husband is a copyright copyright lawyer, lawyer, so she keeps (laughs) us in line. Oh, that's funny. I am loving baseball right now. I actually have to say, I don't follow baseball, like watching every night as teams are playing, but I love going to baseball games and I feel like it's the start of spring when baseball begins Mm -hmm. and I live in the city and in Baltimore so I can walk to Camden Yards and Baltimore the Orioles aren't like the greatest team in the MLB so you can get really cheap tickets and it's always just a fun thing to do with friends on a nice day so that's what I'm loving right now it's a great stadium too it's a beautiful we have, I we love, have to have yes. one of the best stadiums in in the country yes I think so so I am I'm loving baseball season <laughs> well today we will be continuing our series on recommitting to relational ministry and we'll be discussing the power of those one-on-one moments with students Throughout this series, we will be talking about how to build relational capital with teens. Obviously, this, as we discussed last time, has just been more challenging post-pandemic. You know, social skills, busyness, it all can get in the way of relationship building. So last week, we opened with the admission ticket to relationships is vulnerability. We need to show them our humanity so they become open to a relationship with us. And this week, we'll be talking about the power of one-on-one moments. We are big advocates of small groups, but there are moments that are even more personal. So we need to leverage those moments too. So what are we talking about with one-on-one moments? There are a lot of opportunities for this. Some of them just pop up. Some of them we actually make the effort to go do, but it can look like this. It can be walking out from a small group, chatting with a teen or two. It can be having a teen shadow you for a day. One of our coworkers now, Emily, started out by shadowing. Mm-hmm shadowing us for a day when she was in high school. It can be meeting for coffee to talk about life, making sure you do this with, of course, safe environment in mind, Mm -hmm. um, whatever it is for your diocese. It can be taking a teen out of the group for disciplinary reasons. We don't love to do that, (laughs) but it is a one-on-one moment and it can enhance or not enhance a relationship. (laughs) It can be walking to the car to meet parents, complimenting a teen during that time. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about that particular one-on-one moment in a little bit. 
It can be texting a teen when something significant happens. Again, following safe environment. And mm-hmm. I would say t- texting is maybe not as ideal as doing something in person, mm-hmm. but that can be a moment. Um, I'm having a one-on-one sort of moment with a couple of guys that are graduating this year. We're going to go skydiving next <laughs> week. I should have said I'm loving that. Yeah, I was about to say, well, in a couple of weeks, you'll be able to say. Yeah. That's what you're loving. Hopefully. I don't know if I'll still be yeah, loving it in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll still be here. So... We have one-on-one moments that happen naturally and others we create, but they're all important. As much as you try to personalize the group, use everybody's name and remember things about each teen, when we're in small groups, we don't have those opportunities as much. So to look for those one-on-one moments because those are the things that our teens really will remember most. Yes. In our program, we aim for groups of about 12 teens and two leaders. So that's six students per leader. And we're asking each pair of leaders to make sure that each student in their group gets a one-on-one moment each semester. That takes a conscious effort to do that. But it's simple, right? I mean, it might take writing down (laughs) to keep track of. I actually had a teacher at once who based part of our grade on how often we participated in class discussions. He had a little sheet of all of our names, like the attendance sheet kind of deal. And every time we participated, whether we were right or wrong, we got a little tally mark. Now, we're not advocating for that kind of record keeping, but the point is there. Have your leaders keep track of how they connect with each of their students. Together, they can make the effort to connect with each one. I feel like I had a teacher that did that too. Yeah, maybe a lot of teachers do it. Something else we say, too, that goes in line with that writing down, we tell leaders, you know, if you have a conversation or a one-on-one or if they share in highs and lows that they have a big game coming up, write down that and then follow up with that teen. Yeah, a little journal with a couple of notes Mm -hmm. after each meeting would be such a huge thing. Mm -hmm. So a couple of years ago, I had a small group of ninth graders. I mentioned this in the last episode. My co-leader was unfortunately out that year. He was diagnosed with cancer really early on. So I was basically alone with this group of ninth graders. And I needed to connect with a dozen of these boys. I knew a couple of them a little bit, but a lot of them were new to me. And I had one boy in particular. I'll just say his name is Lance. He was one boy in particular that was a (laughs) challenge for me. He was the only one who went to his public school. The other boys razzed him for it. They were all private school boys. That's always a tension in our groups. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't quite find what he was interested in. He kind of came sporadically. And then one night, somehow he got around to sharing that he was really into mixing audio and DJing. And he sh- like played some of his beats that he, he laid beats? down for us. Yeah, <laughs> he laid down for you. Feel so <laughs> He's cool. laying down some he beats <laughs> on his phone. Um, and I just asked him some questions about it. It wasn't exactly one on one, but it was the first time that I felt like I had made that connection with him. And once he talked about it for a little while, I said, you know, we always need music for videos and programs that we're creating. Would you ever consider making music for some of the stuff that we do? We might even be able to pay you for it. And he had this look of surprise, like, wow, we might actually be able to use his gifts at our church. And he wasn't going to jump up and down, obviously, especially among peers, but he, his interest was definitely piqued. Now, I can't say this was a total success story. I never ended up getting him to make music for us. The pandemic kind of got in the way of that a little bit, but it's one of those moments that was just a window into his life. And I look at that now and I'm like, ah, oh, that was an opportunity I should have capitalized on a little bit more. We need to tap into those opportunities. 
Yeah. So as Daniel mentioned in the beginning, one of our favorite things to tell small group leaders is to walk a teen to their car and meet their parents. This can be valuable in a whole lot of ways. So it can be the first time you meet the parent and a chance to compliment their kid. It's ideal. And we tell our leaders if the first time you see parents it isn't to reprimand their child but just show that you're invested if a student is behaving badly your demeanor and words when you meet the parent will speak volumes either you can come out being mad or emotional or you can communicate how much you love the student and want small group to be a great experience for them so be sure you end by speaking directly to the student too i want you to know how much you mean to the group and to me i'll see you next week The walk to the car is also its own minute or two of conversation with that student one-on-one. So you can use that time, chat about something relatable or explain what you're going to say to the parents. You ask them what their parents' names are so that when you walk up to the car, you can go, oh, you must be Charlie and Eileen. (laughs) And Charlie and Eileen (laughs) are the names of one of our favorite teens or the parents of one of our favorite teens, Ryan. Who is not always our favorite teen. He was a challenge... In his earlier years with us, he was in that ninth grade group with me. Yeah. And ninth grade was really when he turned it around. It was more eighth grade when he was very challenging. <laughs> he had to take him out of the group a lot. There were quite a few things that he did that were very distracting to the group. Um, and so there was a moment where I just thought, I need to go out and meet. I need to go out and meet his parent. So I walked him out to the car and I met his dad, Charlie. And as soon as we got to the car, I didn't even tell Ryan what I was going to say or anything. This was kind of unplanned, but it, it illustrated to me the power of going out and meeting the parents. So we walk out there, we get to the car, and I say, hi, Mr. Hubler. <laughs> and Ryan says, I didn't even do anything. It wasn't even... I didn't even <laughs> Immediately defensive. <laughs> I said, Ryan, you don't need to worry. I just want you to know how much I appreciate Ryan being in our group, how great his energy is. He always has something to contribute to the conversation. He can be a little distracted. And tonight was one of those nights when he was a little distracted. He's climbing out of the window. <laughs> Might have been running into the wrong bathroom. Oh, that sort of thing. Um, and looking back on it now, we laugh about it a lot. And Ryan took really big strides. Mm-hmm. But not only was that a moment where I met his parent and the relationship, I think, really developed from there. But Ryan and Charlie started to volunteer in creative tech um, soon after that. Their whole family got involved. Mm-hmm. His sister Julia was um, a paid member of our weekend staff for a little while mm-hmm. before she graduated. They were both, Ryan and Julie, were on our initial leadership team with students. Charlie worked for us for a while um, on the weekends, helping with our production team. Eileen yeah. is a lector. So lector yeah. younger brother Colin serves in the cafe. So their it's, whole family... I feel like not because I went out to the car that day, certainly, but it was just the beginning of a relationship where we really got to walk with them and see their growth, especially Ryan's growth, but the whole family. Well, and two, they were relatively new to Nativity. They had just found Nativity from a former church that they went to. Um, So we're connecting just surface level by coming to Mass and their kids being a part of programs. But you never know what those one-on-one moments can do. And to them, it probably showed like they really care about my kids here and they really got something and wanted to take that next step into getting involved too. So, And I just will say, I, I don't always 
pat myself on the back, but one thing that I did really well in that conversation <laughs> is I did not chastise him. Mm-hmm. I could have ruined the relationship had I had the wrong reaction. Yeah. But I was very careful with my words to say like, we love having you here. I'm not here to tell you not to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was really important for him to hear. Yeah, I think it's powerful that you're talking to his parents in front of him. And you got to think certain kids that are more troublesome and challenging, their parents have heard it all. They've heard it from teachers and coaches and other things throughout. This isn't a new thing, um, likely, that they're acting like this. So us as part of the church coming forward with that positive, loving communication, um, while still being honest, but coming forward just with that kindness, approaching the conversation that way, I think shows the difference between who we are and want to be here at the church for their child and who a lot of the other things that they might be involved in, how we can be a uniquely different and loving community for them. Yes. So anyways, back as we wrap up, just one-on-one moments are critical, but don't happen without aiming for them. You have to be a little intentional intentional to look for those opportunities. So I'm just going to list out a few of them again as we wrap up today. So walking out from small group, chatting with a teen or two, meeting for coffee to talk about life, taking a teen out of the group for disciplinary reasons, showing up for lunch at their school, as Daniel shared last time, driving to special events or retreats, obviously, Once again, not being one-on-one alone in a car, but just a small group of kids having that driving time together. Uh, Breaks during different events that you host. When a teen gets sick or injured at an event, reaching out to them. Waiting for a teen to get picked up is a great one-on-one opportunity. Walking to the car to meet the parents. Praying with a teen for a specific purpose when they share something. Texting a teen when something significant happens in their life. Again, always follow your safe environment protocols for that. But those are just a few of many opportunities you have to capitalize on those one-on-one moments. And as always, we love to end with one bright idea. So what to do in these moments? I mean, we could sort of explain it, but it's really simple. The, The point is to just recognize that those moments are valuable ask them things in these moments that get them talking about their lives, show that you care and be especially aware of your words and demeanor. These are the moments that they'll remember where you are really Christ for them in those few fleeting times that you get to be one-on-one. Yes. Well, we love you all very much. Thanks for being with us and join us next time to continue our series with part three of recommitting to relational ministry. We'll be talking about discipline and correction in relationships. 